I wasn't a great athlete growing up. There was a lot of kids with more natural talent than I had. After my freshman year of football, when uh, I wasn't quite the star I always wanted to be, uh, that's when I decided to start lifting weights. Joined the local gym and, uh, you know, I, I honestly had no clue what I was doing. Just kind of did what I saw in the magazines. You know, I, I worked real hard, but uh, after a few months of really not getting any stronger, uh, I, I was really lucky because the gym manager, he uh, took me under his wing and he showed me how to really train. After a few weeks, I kind of noticed I started getting a lot stronger. After a few years, I was playing college football, and now many years later, I'm a world champion in powerlifting. Honestly, I owe everything I've done athletically to that gym manager. And I started the Spot Athletics because I wanted to make that kind of impact on people's lives. Hi, I'm J.L. Holdsworth, founder and head strength coach at the Spot Athletics. When I think about you Unscripted Podcast. We're Tori and Shana, and you're listening to our song called When I Think About You. Available on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you enjoy your favorite songs. But for now, let's listen in to your host and our friend, Aaron Conrad. Welcome back to Unscripted from our brand new studios here at the Spot Athletics in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, Tori and Shauna, for the brand new intro. I hope you all are listening to their new single. If you're not, go find it on Spotify and Apple. It is incredible. Can't wait till their new album comes out. And again, I want to thank Spot Athletics for their support of the podcast and our new studios. We're so excited. It's really cool. Okay, so it has been a while since I've had an episode. I know this. What I wanted to tell you all is please be patient with us because there is a lot going on. There's a lot happening right now, and it's all very exciting, all good things. And uh, 2023 is going to be just an amazing year, and I, uh, I'm really excited about what's coming. So in the meantime, speaking of things and announcements, I don't know if you all are listening to the Mark Price for Three podcast, but it is its own podcast with the great four-time NBA All-Star Mark Price. If you know me, you know I am a massive Mark Price fan and grew up idolizing Mark. So to co-host a podcast with him is more than I could ever dream. It really is. So we launched his own podcast. So please go find the Mark Price for three podcasts on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I promise you all, it is really good. It's, it's a lot of Mark and a little bit of me, which is a great thing. And the reality is what we talk about basketball. He does some coaching. But we end every segment with faith and, and it's just, it's amazing every week to talk to Mark about his faith and share stories and about our faith. It's just awesome. So I hope you all go find it. So for today's episode, what I'm going to actually do is share, uh, one of the newest episodes we did for his podcast. So what you're going to find today is an episode with Craig Elo, another former Cleveland Cavalier who I was a huge fan of. There's a lot in this episode. It's really awesome. If you're a fan of the NBA, 90s basketball, Michael Jordan, unfortunately, <laughs> because we talk about the shot, the Cavs, Mark, Craig, 
Cleveland. There's a lot in this episode that's just so awesome. So I wanted to share with you all, get a podcast up here, but also introduce you to Mark's podcast. So I hope you enjoy this. Here is episode, I believe it's four of the Mark Price for Three podcast with myself, Mark, and Craig Elo. Hope you all enjoy it, and we'll talk to you soon. Elo will inbound, far side, 1.3 seconds. Elo looking, looking, fires to Doherty, back to Elo, the three in the air. It's good! He won it! Elo hit a three-pointer on the sideline at the buzzer. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus, and he comes from Lubbock, Texas. Hello, everybody. This is Josh Price, and you are listening to the Mark Price for Three podcast. Each episode, my dad will be talking NBA basketball, sharing some coaching and instruction, and of course, talking about his faith. Without further delay, here's my dad, Mark Price. Welcome back to the Mark Price for Three podcast, episode four. And we're going to go off script a little bit on this one, Mark. We're going to go with our, our three points, but we have a guest. We have a very special guest today. And, uh, and I could tell you as a Cavalier fan, I am so honored to be in the presence of Mark Price and our special guest. Mark, do you want to introduce our guest or would you like me to introduce him? Sure. I would love to introduce him. Obviously, I'm excited because all of our you know podcasts up to this point have just been on, on the phone and on the radio. So to have a Zoom here, my first guest, you know, for my podcast, I thought the only person I would want for my first guest is my good friend and teammate, Craig Elo. I called Craig up and he said he'd be happy to join us. And so we're going to have a lot of fun today, reminiscing about our Cavs days, kind of how Craig can tell his NBA story, how he got to the Cavs. And, and we might even talk about that Jordan shot, you know, because <laughs> I know people might be interested in that, but we're just going to, this is kind of like, Aaron, you're with us in the locker room today. We're just going to be chatting after a game, kind of reminiscing about good old times. And, and Craig, we appreciate you being with us. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege, Mark. Thing I, I can do for, for you or with you, I'm always going to say yes. Well, we appreciate it. And so I'm happy to just be in the locker room picking up dirty uniforms <laughs> or whatever it is that I'm going to be doing. But uh, just to be around uh, you two guys, so much respect for you both and, and so much just uh, I'm trying not to fanboy this one, but I'm just such a fan of all you guys did for the Cavalier organization. So I think the question to lead off is where is Craig Elo now? I'm sure that's on everybody's mind. Where are you now, Craig? Oh, well, I went to Washington State. You can see my good old hood sweatshirt. And I met my wife my junior year. We dated for about four years and got married in 1985. And she is from Spokane, Washington. I'm from Lubbock, Texas. I played in the league for 14 years and kind of moved to four different places, the last one being Seattle. And we just didn't enjoy Seattle. And her family was still here in Spokane. So we moved back to Spokane in 1999. And started raising our family and putting down roots. You played with the Sonics? Was that your last yep. year, is that we said? Yep. My uh, last year, and here, here's a great thing. I signed with Seattle as a free agent after Atlanta let me go. And it was going into my 14th season. So I got to play uh, the one year after they had actually gotten to the final against the Bulls and thought, well, maybe if I go here, I can make another appearance in the NBA finals. But I, I went there and I, I had a, a small child at home. He was born in 1996 and actually he was born in Marietta, Georgia. 
And uh, he loves say, saying that he's from Georgia, but we, we were only there for like two years for him. But yeah, we, uh, you know, 1997, I retired, but the, the Sonics, the, I did some TV for him right after that. So the year that they moved, the year that Bennett bought the team and, and moved them to Oklahoma City, they were, they asked if, if I was interested in going and Kevin Calabro, the voice of the Sonics, turned it down and, and he wanted to stay in Seattle. So yeah, I, we didn't want to move to Oklahoma city. So sorry, Mark, I know you're, you're an Oklahoman stuff, but yeah, after that, we just, like I said, I kind of been here in Spokane, but yeah, the Sonics, great team, great experience, but sad to see them go. This is where I'm going to get out of the way and let you guys chop it up a bit. (laughs) How did you come to the Cavaliers and injuries and, and all those kind of things? Well, before Craig jumps in on this, Aaron, I'm going to get my side of the story because, you know, Craig came in because I got hurt. I was, I was trying, I was a rookie. I was trying to make my way in the NBA, which Craig knows is not easy to do. And I was playing back up to John Bagley for the Cavs. And right after, you know, Christmas around there, I got an emergency appendicitis and I had to get my appendix taken out. So I was out for like a month of the season and they brought this guy in. I remember vividly because I would watch the games on, you know, my sofa at home because I couldn't do anything. And I mean, this dude was like lighting it up. He was like six, seven playing point guard. And I mean, the fans are going, Elo, Elo. Like every night, I'm not just so like, I really, I honestly did not like him very much. I, I got to tell you, because I'm like, this dude's going to take my spot. <laughs> He's going to take my spot. And so, you know, I'll let Craig jump in on kind of how he, he came in. But and ultimately, obviously, we became best friends. We, we got to play together for many, many years. Uh, you know, he was, he was my guy. And, but I'll tell you what, at the beginning, wasn't my favorite because he was lighting it up and I was laying on the couch watching. I'd been in the league for three years and uh, the Houston Rockets cut me going into the fourth season. The agent I had at the time was, um, he was a good guy. He was from California, but he was kind of like, well, you got your three years in because I was a third round pick. You know, maybe we should just call it quits and maybe go on. I wasn't ready to call quit, call it quits. So I wanted to play more basketball. And just gotten married and my wife had never lived outside of Spokane, but yeah, moved her to Houston. And then I had a friend, a couple of friends that introduced me to a guy named Ron Grinker. He was an agent out of Cincinnati. He was very good friends with Wayne Embry and uh, also Coach Wilkins. So I, I didn't get picked up in November. I didn't get picked up in December. But when he had his appendectomy, the Cavs called and gave me a 10-day contract on January 13, 1986. So I remember that vividly. And I didn't get to play a lot in Houston, but I was on some good teams and played behind some good players. But this was my chance. And that's what Grinker told me. He said, okay, you got to go in there and you got to do what you couldn't do in Houston and play as hard as you can. And uh, we'll see what they'll they'll do after the ten day. And I knew I, I knew Mark Price. I knew who he was. He was you know a, a choir guy from Georgia Tech and Bobby Crimmins. They they looked like they masked heads all the time. But I watched him play in college, and I knew he was going to be very good, especially at his size. What they say, you're six foot Mark, or they always just give you five eleven. 
Well, they, I made them list me at six feet and I'd yeah. always put an extra pair of socks in my shoes so I could try to be six feet. <laughs> so I didn't know really what the Cavs wanted from me, but like I said, this was going to be my opportunity and it actually fell into place. The, the first day I got there, we played the Pistons at the old Coliseum and I had no clue to what, who, what was going on. So I, I put a uniform on, but didn't play. We got on a bus after the game and, and drove to Detroit and played them again the next night. And then we played Milwaukee on Friday night. And John Bagley, in the first minute, we won the tip. John Bagley goes in for a shot or a layup, and he rolls his ankle. So now Coach Wilkins is stuck with Ron Harper, Johnny Newman, and myself, all six, 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 seven guards and uh, no point guard. But uh, I actually played more minutes in that game against Milwaukee than I did in all of my years in, in Houston. And uh, it was my opportunity. And, and like Mark said, I just got hot and got lucky and played some good minutes. And, uh, you know, being a, a Christian, I got to tell you, God puts you in some great places. I didn't know he put me there for, for any specific reason. But uh, when I look back on it now, I know he put me there for a reason. And so it all worked out great. After the 10 day, they actually signed me for the rest of the season. They still wanted Mark Price to be the future point guard at Cleveland. And so that after the season, I think you came back, what, last 10 or 15 games of the season? Yeah. Yeah, toward the, end of, toward the end of the year. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in great shape after that, you know, with the appendix and in, in all of that. So it was, oh, it was, it was a real bummer. <laughs> you look like death. I'm telling you when I met. <laughs> and, and, uh, I felt like the Athedon. So, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, by Craig kind of coming in and, and Craig's versatility at six foot seven and Ron Harper's versatility at six foot seven, you know, it was just, we made, just like a great three three guard rotation. Like I could play both both guys that I played with were six seven. When I needed a break, Craig was able to handle the ball. Ron was a good ball handler as well. And so uh, you know, it fell into like just a, a really great backcourt. You know, with Ron and I starting and having Craig firepower coming in off the bench and energy and and all that. Uh, you know, along Craig and Hot Rod were our guys kind of coming off the bench that. You know, we were really deep and, you know, that, that three guard rotation was, we, we were tough. I would have put up, put us up against just about anybody in the league, you know, at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys quickly about today's team. I think this is the closest team to a team that you all had where, you know, Mitchell's obviously doing some things that are very special, but I think this team is deep as Mark just said, what are your thoughts on the Cavs so far this season? Well, I think uh, obviously I'm wearing my Cavs kind of pullover today because as of today, as of recording this, the Cavs are six and one. Yep. And so uh, they're just off to an unbelievable start. Beat the Celtics again. You know, Celtics are one of the favorites in the East coming into the season. So I know the fans in Cleveland are excited. Donovan Mitchell has shown every bit. <laughs> You know, I think there was a lot of questions. Was he worth how much they gave up for him? Well, I think he's kind of put that to bed and put that to rest here in the first seven games of the season. He's a finisher. He, he 
he's a guy that can put the ball in. I mean, it happened again last night, you know, toward the end of the game. It was either Donovan or it was Garland that had the ball in their hands, and both guys can can finish and close. And so I think the Cavs, they're, they're not a fluke going in right now. From what I see, I think they got a chance if they stay healthy and continue to grow. They're going to be, they're going to be trouble. They're going to be trouble in the East this year, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Ironically though, I got to say that they, they are very similar to our career, our, our stay in, in Cleveland. They built our teams. They built through the draft. They traded for you. So we had Ron Harper, our Brad Doherty, Ron Harper, and you all first year when they got to the Cavs in 85, 86. And I got it, it. They, they built it and they did it right. And I agree. I think this team with the, the defensive presence of Mobley, I got to, I call some of his USC games and, and Allen, they got a great inside per game and adding Donovan. I like Sexton, but I thought. You know, he took some some bad and ill-advised shots, but I, I think if this team is being built kind of like they, the way they built our teams. I, I agree with you, and even last night it was great. I agree. I love seeing the big guys. I know the game right now has gotten away from big guys, but yeah. I love the way the Cavs' bigs don't, they don't play out of character. You know, Allen and Mobley are running to the three-point line trying to jack up threes right now. They're playing big. They're causing problems. They're getting second shots. I remember one time last night, Garland, they tried to post Garland. Guy spins, goes to the rim, and Mobley's right there to block the shot. You know, so it's like, reminding me so much of when I was out there and teams tried to take advantage of my size, I would just let them run into Larry and Hot Rod and Brad on the inside. It's funny because about the only time Larry got mad at me is if I fouled a guy going to the basket. He's like, don't foul him. I'm going to take care of it. <laughs> so, and he usually did. So yeah, it, there's a lot of similarities with the teams. And, and obviously I think Donovan Mitchell is a guy that, you know, I see, you know, that was kind of what Ron Harper was for us before before he got traded, but just kind of having that that guy that can just go get you a bucket when you need one. And yep. of course, when you get into playoff time, and Craig can tell you this as well, you need you need that guy. You need a guy that can take a game over if you need need be. Hey everyone, my name is Cami Prannell and I'm the executive director for My Unscripted. We hope you are enjoying today's interview. My Unscripted is dedicated to helping others find their voice, passion, and follow their dreams. Our team can help create websites, apps, YouTube channels, podcasts, media, and social content. Whatever your passion and vision, we can help. Our good friend Manny Ahomi of Samaritan's Feet once said, make sure your dreams and goals are big enough to create room for others to join you. We've created room for you to join us too. Find out more at myunscripted.com. Now let's join Aaron for the second half of today's interview. Halo will inbound. He gets it into Nance, gets the ball back, drives to the hoop, lays it in with three seconds to go. Two injured warriors, Elo with an ankle, Price with an injured groin, have played the games of their lives, considering the importance this afternoon. And Craig Elo, who has scored 15 points here in the fourth quarter, has played big in the big period, the biggest of the season for the Cavaliers. And three seconds remain. Chicago, with the timeout, now has only a 20. 
the Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. You'll see the drama unfold. We got to get to it, guys, so let's just get it out of the way. The question that on everybody's mind is going to be the shot. So let's just talk about it and move on because we got, you know, we have only have so much time. Like you said, we're, you guys are busy. So let's get it out of the way. Let me set it up this way. And, and Mark and I were just talking about this, Craig, before you got on. I forgot, and I think so many people have forgot, you made a layup with three seconds left that in three seconds would have been the story. <laughs> but unfortunately... There was three more seconds, but you know, Craig, you, you played, I'll let you guys do it from here, but I just wanted to set that up and let people remember actually the play that you ran when I, we used to run it with our AU teams and we called it Cavalier, the inbound to Larry, the hand back to the inbounder, the layup, and it worked every single time <laughs> and, and it was great. So I just want to remind people, you guys were both hurt and also you made a layup over Jordan, <laughs> over Jordan that would have won the game, but there were still three seconds left. I'll tee that up and let you guys take it from there. Well, it kind of set up the whole thing and everybody just focuses on that shot. And I try to tell people all the time how good our team was that year. So that we actually beat Chicago six times in the regular season. You know, we were six and oh against the Bulls when we were healthy during the course of the season. You know, right toward the end of the year, I got hurt. I pulled a hamstring. I wasn't even able to play in game one of that series. And the other thing was, was back then, first round series were only five games. And so, you know, if you lose a game earlier, you still won in a five-game series, you got a chance to win it. So, and that's what Chicago did. The game I was out, they won the first game. And yet we were able to fight our way back, even though we were hurt, to win game four in Chicago to set up that game five in Cleveland. And, you know, it was just an unbelievable game. Craig had a great game. I think he had 24 points. In game five, I had like 23 points, and we were hobbling around out there on the court. And, you know, I'll let Craig set up that play, but it's funny because I'll, I'll tease him the fact that the play wasn't set up for Craig. <laughs> you know, when he was, when he was throwing the ball inbounds. But, you know, I'll let Craig kind of tell the rest, and he dove to the basket, and, and the rest, you know, was history and put us up. But, Craig, you know, what? What were your thoughts? Obviously, we're down one, six seconds to go. Lenny calls a play. I can't even remember exactly what the play call was called, but I know it wasn't called for you. We're <laughs> throwing <laughs> the ball inbound. But uh, you go ahead and take it from there. Oh, it, it seems like yesterday that this is on my mind. I, I, I vividly know exactly where everybody was, but you're right. The last two minutes of that game, it went. They'd make a shot, we'd make a shot. We'd go up by one, they'd go up by one. And then it came down to that six seconds. And uh, Coach Wilkins, being the, the great Hall of Fame coach that he is, drew up a great. And uh, I want to say you were a decoy, and I was the go-to guy. But <laughs> uh, we put, I take the ball out of bounds, we put Larry on the block, and then we have Brad Doherty at the top of the key and Ron Harper at the uh, just off to the wing a little bit. And then Mark was in the far corner. It was a double screen for Mark. And if I couldn't get it into Mark, then I would throw it into Larry. And then Coach Wilkins always said the most dangerous guy is the guy that throws it in. He just said cut to the basket. And it was just a draw play at the end of, of the game that makes Coach Wilkins, you know, one of the best coaches to, to coach because it was, he, he knew that they had to guard Mark. And they couldn't let Brad slip. 
and they couldn't let Ron Harper cut off off of Brad too. So they occupied their men on the far side. And of course, when I threw it into Larry, Larry 611 jumps, catches it, and then great play. He just shuffles it back to me. Now the whole Bulls offside defense was scurrying to get to, to me because I had a clear path to, to the basket. And I actually had to duck a little bit because Michael had come off of, of the Ron Harper and was try, almost tried to block the shot. And Pippen was coming over too. And when I, when I made this, I landed on the ankle that I actually twisted imitating Michael Jordan in practice. So it, it had swelled up a little bit, but our, our trainer taped it up, got me some high tops, which no one wears anymore. But, and yeah, put like four pairs of socks on and, and went out and played. And when I landed, I landed on that ankle and rolled it. And the first guy to me was who? Mark Price. Mark Price. Second guy to me, pick me up. Brad Doherty, great scene if you see the CBS recording of it, of us three walking to the bench. And then, you're right, we looked up, it's three seconds, there's 22,000 fans screaming, and it was so deafening in there, it was, it was just incredible. We had a timeout left, the Bulls had a timeout, so they come, they drop their play, they come out, we call timeout after they set up. <clears throat> and if you watch that, what was it, the dance with Chicago? I'm kind of shocked that I, when I was sitting in, and watching uh, episode three, when Rod Harper told Coach Wilkins that, you know, he wanted to guard Jordan on that play. And I, I'd always, when I came in, Ron was one of our best play, offensive players. So we let him rest on defense and so he could do offense. So I, I always got the task of, of guarding Jordan and we just didn't change up. The only thing we did change was we took Larry off of the ball and we tried to double team Michael at the top of the key. And of course he went like, we wanted him to go to mid court and he started to go that way. And Larry kind of stumbled and kind of took that path away from him. And then he cuts to the wing and has a, you know, nobody's guarding the ball. So Brad Sellers throws it right into him. And then, yeah, three seconds was like eternity. I, I, it was just, I, I, I remember like every step, every moment, and just, you know, I tried to do my best of catching up, get a hand up, and, you know, the guy just stopped on a dime, went straight up, and nailed, what, a 15, 16-footer that when I said that building was as loud as I've ever heard anything, it went dead quiet. And yeah, Chicago had come in and, and stole two games on our court. Right. Yeah, it was, obviously, it was devastating, a loss for all of us, for for the team, for the city, everybody, because we were, we were that good. You know, we get past that game. Who knows what happens? Yeah. I'm in the playoffs and, you know, you know, I feel for Craig because he's always forever kind of linked to that shot. But, <laughs> I mean, Craig, if you watch the tape, Craig did an unbelievable job of getting back into that play. And he literally, Jordan jumps up for the shot. And you see Craig fly right by, like he's there contesting to where Jordan literally had to just hang in the air until Craig went by. Yep. And then he shot it. And that's why, I mean, it was literally a line drive. Unfortunately, it went in. But, I mean, yep. you can't really, other than the part, like Craig said, we would have forced him to catch it half court. That would have been the play to make. But he, uh, he went back door and got the ball. But after that, you couldn't play any better or great. Unbelievable, great player, maybe the greatest player that's ever played the game. Makes a great shot, but 
I've always been thankful that I was covering Craig Hodges in the right corner. Yeah. You don't, you don't even see me on the replay of that shot. But uh, the great thing I've always loved about Craig is just his attitude toward the game and the love of it. And I heard Craig say on many occasions, people are like, no, you know, about the shot, you know, or don't you regret, you know, having to be in the middle of that shot a million times on the highlight reel. And I remember Craig one time saying, well, that shot made me famous. <laughs> no, I wasn't famous before that shot. I want to be lit. And now he is for, forever. He's linked with Michael Jordan, maybe not on the best side of it, but uh, he is famous <laughs> because of that shot. Yes. Well, special players make special shots, and, and Michael made a special shot. I mean, to your point, Mark, he hung in the world, you know, forever. He double clutched, and, and uh, you yeah. know. We'll we'll just leave it at that. Thank you guys for to, for taking this audience through you know your perspective of it because we only get one shot and that's for behind you know Michael hanging hitting the shot and that's all we ever see. But there was a play that happened before that one, and I want to kind of transition to that next conversation because you all are both believers, and you know that that was a massive disappointment, as you said, as the players, uh, to the fans, to everyone. You were the men in the arena. Literally, how did your faith play a role in a disappointment like that? Where do you go after that kind of a disappointment? If you guys don't mind taking us into that, you know, where did you go mentally in your faith and all those kind of things? Well, I think for me, like you said, the disappointment, a lot of times the disappointment for me wasn't that he hit that shot and that we got beat. The disappointment was that we were the, we were the better team. I mean, we had proved that over the course of the season. And because of unfortunate circumstances of being banged up and not healthy yet, and obviously the greatest player of the game, you know, playing out of his mind and doing things that only he could do. But that was, that was a disappointment because I felt, I really believed that we were, we were the better team. And, and so that was, that was difficult for me to lose that. But it, at the same time, you know, uh, you know, as the scripture says, I'm studying the book of James right now that it says, you know, that we're to count it all joy when you encounter various trials, you know, and, and so that testing of our faith produces endurance, the scripture says. And so, you know, it was tough. It was something that we had to deal with disappointment, severe disappointment, because it wasn't just our disappointment. It was a whole disappointment of a, of a whole city, of a whole state of a whole fan base that, you know, was a part of that. And so to be able to move forward and come back and, and continue to be a team that was in the mix year in, year out after that, I was proud of our guys for that. But I mean, I, I know God taught me so many things through that, but getting, you know, we had such a, a good group of guys that, you know, we were able to come back and, and compete year in, year out. But you know, it was no doubt it was a difficult long summer. I mean, it was just something that you just had to watch, you know, as the Bulls move forward in playoffs and things like that. You know, always thinking what if, what what would have been if we could have could have done that. But once again, you just have to you just have to move forward and not live in the past with it, even though they're gonna show highlights probably till we're hundred years old about that shot, you know. So I just try to turn it off when I see it now. I've seen it enough. But, uh, you know, Greg can share, share from his perspective because he was so much in the mix on that and so much attention was put on him in that shot. I can, 
I'll turn it over to Craig and let him him share, you know, his his faith journey and and how he dealt with with that situation. Well, I got to say, first thing I got to talk about is I grew up in a Baptist home, Southern Baptist. So I had always been drugged to church, basically. I never really knew that you had to accept the Jesus as your savior. So when I came to, to Cleveland and I got signed for the rest of the year after the 10 day and Mark, you stayed in, in Cleveland after that rookie season also to work and to shoot and get better that time with you. You would call and say, hey, I'm going to the gym, come. So we that's what we did. We just kept working and getting better. I, I got to be a good three-point shooter because every day shooting in the gym with you in the offseason was incredible. But I was also nervous as heck because I knew you had a faith and I knew that you were, were a Christian. You never forced anything on me. And I just thought every day that we, that we were in that gym by ourselves together, that you were just going to set me down and just say, okay, you got to take Jesus right now. And you got to put him, you didn't do that. You, we just, you developed a friendship and a kinship that I, 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 it's, it's, you're like a brother to me. And I know after you got married, your wife and my wife actually sat next to each other with their, where their tickets were, they got to be very good friends. Y'all invited us over at the start of the next season, like November, whatever, I can't remember. But we, we came to your apartment. We sat down. We had cookies. I think Laura's aunt was from Georgia. And we kind of started talking spiritually or, or about uh, God and Jesus. And yeah, when, when you, you shocked me because you just, when you said it, I thought that's what you were going to say to me every time we went to the gym was like, I know if you just, if you walk out of my apartment and you go and across to your apartment and somebody hits you and you die, where do you think you would, would you believe in eternal life? And from that point on, we, that's when I, I rededicated and, and uh, took Jesus as my savior. And I, I think for the next five years, we were the backcourt in Cleveland. The year we lost to the Bulls was we were 57 and 25. We were the team of the future. And, you know, Cleveland was dying for this because they also had to experience in football the drive and the fumble. And now the shot took away another sport. And the Indians, of course, were the Indians. They didn't, you know, yeah, nobody ever went to the game. They they didn't really get added into that. But, you know, we 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 came back in 1992 after we traded Ron and they play, played the Bulls in the conference finals. Now, they, I watched them pay their dues. They they lost to the Pistons, and the Pistons won two championships, and then Chicago wins next three. That could have been us if that shot probably goes differently. So that's the what-if game I play. But I guess, to answer your question, Aaron, my faith played a huge role because I was able to handle that disappointment and want to build on it. Like Mark said, it's not about just, you know, that season. It's the endurance part. And yeah, I mean, we came right back. We lost to them four to four to two in that conference finals. And I think Cleveland at that time, the guns on the team and Wayne Embry was still the general manager. And, you know, they gave coach Wilkins basically seven years and they kind of said like, well, you know, we're not going to fire you, but we want you to resign. So he resigns from the position and they change the roster. 
I was a free agent and they offered me, you know, something that my agent thought wasn't good enough. So I leave for Atlanta. And that was one of the hardest things packing up my house because those seven years in Cleveland, my teammates were my soulmates and my brothers. I mean, Larry Nance was probably one of the best human beings I've ever been around. He had a five acre pond and his way of leading was if you were struggling, he called you over before practice. You had to go out in the fish in the boat and throw out a hook and then go to practice with, you know, and he, he did a wonderful job of, of uh, just, you know, helping, you know, say, it, cause that play, like he finally admitted, I think we were on a Jim Rome show in Cleveland that, yeah, he was supposed to stay in front of Jordan and he didn't. So it's not all Craig's fault. So I, I think the thing with that shot and the disappointment was, was it made us better and it made us, you know, go get to that conference finals, but it did kind of run its course. And so they kind of shook up things. Uh, it's been so cool to have you guys give your perspectives as teammates. I can tell you as a fan, and I know I probably speak for Cleveland. I don't want to be the guy to speak for Cleveland, but I'll say that I know that we know that, that you guys played hurt and you gave everything and you left everything and an exceptional player had an exceptional shot, but we yep. knew you were the better team. I'll take that the rest of my life as well. You know, as Mark said, six and zero during the regular season, I think everyone yep. knows those stats by heart because we were so invested in the caps and they still are today. And I, again, I just want to say from, from a fan perspective, and I think for many of the fans in Cleveland, we're, we're thankful for what you all did and how you did it and how you came back the next season, did it again, you know, just came back and, and fought and just such an exceptional team and the friendship and the brotherhood on that team was very special. And so thank you, I guess I'm just what I'm saying. Um, well, it's, uh, you know, it was such a, such a great group of guys that, you know, we got to play with and we got to, you know, for seven years, you know, that core group was together. And I remember even in the summers, you know, and it's a, it was a different time. But, you know, when Craig and I were working out, like you said, in the summertime, you know, we were in the Cuyahoga Falls area and we'd go play at this park called Valley Vista Park that had an outdoor, outdoor full court. And, you know, John Bagley kind of told us about it. And so we'd be going there in the evenings in the summer. And it was kind of like Field of Dreams, you know, it was like we'd start playing pickup. We were just playing with guys off the streets, college guys in the area. And I mean, by the time, you know, we got through playing. I mean, there's probably 150, 200 people from around the, the neighborhoods over watching us play ball. And I'm like, who does that? What pro guys go out and, and like just get out in the community and say, hey, let's go play some pickup ball. And, you know, it was a different era. Obviously, we, we weren't making the kind of money the guys are making now. And so, you know, we just didn't think anything about it. We just like, we were in the community, you know, people saw us where, you know, where we lived. And I think that was what people in the Cleveland area, after Cleveland area, because we're playing at Richfield, of course, I think that's why that team meant so much to them because we were part of the community. We weren't just there to play. We lived there. Most of us, you know, started our families. We had our kids there. They were growing up together and we were doing life together, you know, not just playing for the Cavs, but in the, in the Cleveland Akron community. And I think that's why it was so special. I think that's why there's such a connection with the Cleveland fan base, with our group, because we weren't just the professional athletes out there playing. We were part of that. Yeah, I, I, we all lived at Timbertop, and that Valley Vista Park was just 
you know, a couple blocks away. And I remember there was always this young kid that, that started showing up too, that I forgot his name though, but it was a pretty good shooter. His dad was kind of pushing him. I think he did play four years in college and get drafted, but, uh, yeah, all of a sudden that park went from, like you said, you know, one or two guys to like everybody wanting to play at that. But you're right. We stayed there in the summers. We stayed there, you know, obviously through the winters, the, the you know, major holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. We all spent together, not only with our teammates, but, you know, like you said, we became part of the community, the fabric of, of that, that community. We all lived in Timbertop, like you said, because it was low rent. And we didn't make the money, like you said. But then all of a sudden, you know, guys started buying houses. And, uh, you know, Hot Rod already had a house. Brad bought in Hudson. You bought in Hudson. But, yeah, the, 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 we didn't hide from people. We didn't We walk through Summit Mall or, you know, the Tower City together and stuff. And, you know, it, it was incredible because I never thought I, in my whole life that I would be in Cleveland. I played with a guy named Graham Waiters that played at Ohio State. And he was like, Ohio's the best place in the world. And I got to agree. I mean, I was a little nervous going there because Coach Fitz, when I was in Houston, always threatened to trade me to Cleveland because they, you know, that they were the cadavers at that time. So we, I got lucky. And Mark said, we got, we got to be part of that, that whole area of Northeast Ohio and fans could identify with us. It's funny because you guys mentioned that. So I got Larry Nance's autograph at Summit Mall, I think. I got, I saw, <laughs> I saw Ron Harper on Shawnee Golf Course once. I think I saw Hot Rod somewhere. So yeah, you guys were always in the community. I mean, especially yep. Ron. Ron was everywhere because he was from that area yep. originally anyway. It wasn't uncommon to run into Cavalier players just being out in the community and things. So it was a special time. It was, it was different. But, you know, just very thankful for this time. I know we've taken a lot of time. I'll, I'll leave it to you, Mark. You want to wrap up and, and any last thoughts or questions? No, like I said at the beginning, Craig, first of all, thanks again for, for being, on my, being on my podcast and being my first guest on my podcast. Like I said, you're, you are my guy and my running mate and, you know, one of my best friends in the world. So it means a lot to me that you would come on and, you know, just sharing your story with us your story of basketball, how you got to Cleveland, obviously your faith story, which is, which is so important, but uh, we love you, man. You know, all the best out there. I know our wives stay in contact still all the time. And I think still do Bible study together over zoom. He did, (laughs) you know, we'll all be together always. We miss getting to see you guys, but as much as we'd like, but you know, we're happy for, for your success out there and what you're doing now. And, you know, we'll stay in touch, of course. And we appreciate it, Aaron. You always do a good job leading this podcast. And, and you know, I guess that's pretty much a wrap for podcast number four. Any last thoughts, Craig? You know, I I, I, I marvel at uh, still getting, like, the bubblegum cards that people, like, get your address off the Internet. There's a Skybox one, me and Mark, together on it. And it was like the backcourt, like, and and if you read the back, it was like Craig Elo really suffered when Mark's ACL surgery took him out, but getting him back will help Craig Elo play better. And, you know, people send them to us with a self-addressed envelope usually, and they just ask you to sign it. And I've, I've gotten a couple of those cards where they send it to Mark first. And his, his signature's on that and then I'll get it and I'll sign it. So I get a kick out of that. So I kind of rush to my mailbox every day to, to see if any cards have come. 
But yeah, that's one of my favorites. And, and that's, that's what it'll always be. Like Mark lives in, in Georgia. I live in Washington. But if we have, if we got together like today, I mean, it's, it's like not the years have not, I mean, what are we? I mean, that's 30 years ago, right? <laughs> so it's crazy, but yeah, I, I just, and I, I'll leave with this. The one thing that I really got to kick out of the NBA was the year that Brent Price became a player in the NBA. The first play that Brent, and it was in, in Richfield, he posted Mark up and Mark <laughs> Got he was like he I, I just remember his grin and 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 his his facial experience because they sent Brent right to the to the block and and posted Mark up and we all just kind of like we all knew that Larry and and Hot Rod was back there so you could play him but Mark was like stay away I got this <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was actually to your point there was actually a card of of that play. <laughs> Post me up, and I, I did. I had a smirk on my face, like, all right, little little brothers trying to go to work. <laughs> so we'll have to do this again and, and really sure. get into some of those kind of stories. So, thank you, Craig. Thank you, Mark. This has been awesome. I hope people enjoy it. Thank you for just giving us a little bit of insight into uh, your lives, your faith, and you know, just the, the journey that you were on. So, thank you. So, I'm Aaron for Mark for Craig. Thank you for joining us again for episode four. We'll be back again with episode five next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Be sure to like, share, and follow on all your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out our song, When I Think About You on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you enjoy your favorite songs. We'll We'll see see you next time time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad.